I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. You want to get in shape, so you go to the gym. Maybe you take up running. You decide to eat better. Each day, you make a conscious choice to move in that direction of getting in shape. Some days, you might not feel like it. Maybe you take a day off or you splurge on a donut because they are oh so good. But generally, you're moving in the right direction. Each day, you're taking a new step to help you get there. Growing your money is the same thing. It's about financial health. As Brian Barnes, CEO and founder of M1 Finance Shares, 
to invest with knowledge and not emotion is about more than just a one-time decision you make and more about the steps you take every day. Again, with the analogy, if you eat one healthy meal, it's going to do nothing for your health. But if you eat healthy meals for the next two years, five years, 10 years, you're going to be in a much better place. Same thing with working out. You, you do a really hard workout once it does nothing for you besides make you sore. You do that. You <laughs> we know, wish, right? <laughs> yeah, Multiple times a week for years and you're going to be extremely physically healthy. And so I think you need to think about your wealth in the same thing. You know, it, it's financial health, financial well-being. And it's, it's less important on what you do on a, uh, like one off basis. And it's much more of, you know, how do you establish good habits over extremely long periods of time and stick to your plan? You're listening to millennial money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna come to game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. In case you haven't noticed, I've been dedicating the month to bringing you episodes all around investing and lots of different ideas. If you haven't listened to all the episodes, what are you waiting for? Seriously, though, investing, it's just like any other money decision. It's personal. That means it makes sense to find a style or an app or a system that works for you. But I want you to approach investing from a sense of curiosity and not fear. And Brian is a huge proponent of optimizing your money to work for you and creating habits that lead to a better financial health over your lifetime, all while growing your cash by creating what he calls an investing decision-making tree. You need to know more about this. You and I seem uh, very aligned from, from what I've read about you. You're a huge proponent of optimizing your money to really work for you, you say, by creating habits that lead to better financial health. And I totally a thousand percent agree. I wonder if we could just unpack this a little bit. Like first, when you say to make your money work for you, like what does that really practically mean? Yeah, you know, I think it starts from the premise that you need to manage your money over your entire lifetime, that you're not thinking a week out or a month out, but you're really thinking years and decades out and you're thinking right. about very um, big important things you're thinking about your you know first house your kids education your retirement your you know hopefully second vacation home whatever it may be your first uh, second home first vacation home um, <laughs> hey and, you know that's not a bad thing <laughs> yeah exactly um, and you know I think it, I think it's when you have money there's a big question of what do you do with it and the the default option is to have it sitting in a checking or savings account and you know the the interest rates are close to zero where you can use zero to to make the math easier 
And the Fed is, you know, targeting inflation to eat away at your money. And so you're, you know, as you save money over long periods of time, you're sort of guaranteed to have it go down in value. And really what you want to do is have the benefit of ownership. And so, you know, having your money work for you, you want to invest it in assets that can, you know, accrue value over time that, you know, are, are like in companies that are consistently working to, uh, increase their value and you, you really want to have the compounding effect take over such that you can consume more at a later date than you can today. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking about like money habits, what are some habits that you can create that maybe, you know, don't feel so onerous, but some habits that you could create that really could help you like move in that direction? Is there anything practically you can do? Absolutely. You know, I think the habits thing is key and fundamental that it's Im- it's very difficult unless you know win the lottery or something to sort of <laughs> fundamentally transition your finances overnight and you know to analogize it it's sort of if you want to eat healthy or work out consistently it really doesn't matter what you do in a given day but it really matters the the consistent habits that you have over months and years and decades and you know the the person 15 years from now is sort of a a result of all the habits that they had over that preceding 15 years. And so with finances, it's, um, you know, pretty simply said, uh, harder to do, but, you know, I think it starts from a do what you can to build your skill sets, gain experience such that you can earn more money. You know, that that's the, the foundation of where things start. Um, be very disciplined about spending less than you make. And so, you know, that's setting a budget, sticking to it, um, you know, really focusing in on what matters and, you know, having a, a, you know, habit of I'm going to save 10% of my income. I'm, I'm going to save 15% of my income. And the, the default option should be just move that into something that is sort of hands off or untouchable. And so move that into investments at any given time. And the, the easiest way to do habits is to automate them. So you, you make them happen by, by default such that you don't have to remake that decision every two weeks when your paycheck comes in. And so, you know, it's try to earn more, spend less than you make and invest the rest. Um, and that sets you on a really strong foundation to uh, financial success. And I'm curious, like, why do you think most of us struggle with the the habit part? Is it just how we feel about money that's kind of getting in the way of of cultivating these habits? I mean, particularly if you put them on autopilot, you don't even have to think about it. But so many of us struggle to even get to that point. Like, what do you think it is that stops us? You know, I think it's it's the really difficult of short-term versus long-term thinking that you know, when there's something shiny in front of you that is going to make you smile and enjoy your life today, it's really hard to to turn it down that I think there is a bias towards short-term satisfaction. And it's really hard to think about yourself a year from now, five years from now. And, you know, there's even something that if you're socking away, you know, a thousand dollars a month, it feels and you're, you're, you know, committing to not spending it for 10 years. It feels like you're spending a thousand dollars a month and you're not getting anything for it. Right. And, you know, I, I, I think that like, you know, it's just a aspect of people's psychology that they're, you know, really interested in the moment or the, the next gratifying thing. And I think, you know, it, it takes a little bit to step back and think, you know, okay, I don't need to just satisfy myself today, but I need to do it a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And if I do the harder thing today, future me is going to thank me. And, you know, it's going to be 
monumentally easier down the road to uh, you know do what I want to do and have flexibility and freedom and the like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is is. I think particularly with like the information coming at us and social media and just everything is like moment by moment in our lives. So it, it is especially hard sometimes to think about that long term. And you're right. Like you think a thousand dollars is coming into my bank account. I'm, I'm a thousand dollars less each month rather than thinking about how that's actually growing exponentially for you, you know, and, and making that sort of shift so you can see money in that, in that perspective. And another thing you you talk about is uh, like friction in our finances, and this is definitely something I've heard from a lot of the listeners that there's just too much to do, like too many steps, too many options. Like particularly when it comes to investing, a lot of people are saying to me, "There's too many choices. Like I don't know what robo advisor to pick. I don't know what to invest in. Like I just don't know what to do, so I don't do anything." Like how can we move from friction, if you will, to to making some of these decisions? Is there a way to move through that process? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd, I'd start with M1 <laughs> and use that <laughs> as your primary and only financial tool. Period. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, um, it, like I, I 100% agree with the friction component and you can look at it from a good habits perspective and you can look at it from a bad habits perspective that, you know, on the bad habits, I'm fine not snacking if there's no snacks in front of me. If you put right. chocolate chip cookies in front of me, right. I'm going to eat chocolate chip cookies. And so there is a friction element that you want to make your bad habits out of sight, out of mind, as hard to do as possible. And then you want to make your good habits sort of happen by default where you don't have to you know, continually choose to, to remake the same decision and do the harder thing. And so for M1, we we focus on broad personalization. So you can create your unique personal plan that your finances are very personal to you. What you spend money on is personal. What you invest in is personal. Um, you know, how you make money is very personal, you know, with your, your job and the skills and experience you bring to the table. Um, but then once you set the plan, you're sort of setting the instructions for, you know, this is how I want my money managed. The software takes over in the background Mm. and it's going to intelligently direct money towards where it can be best used in your financial plan to, uh, satisfy your personal goals. And so for, for us, we really focus on, hey, how can we make the decision sort of a one-time activity and not something that you need to revisit over and over and over again and make all the same decisions that, um, you know, it, it's like the, the consistency of investing with your paycheck every two weeks is, is probably one of the strongest thing to build wealth long-term. And if you have to make that every two weeks, make that decision every two weeks and right. manually do something, you're just far less likely to do it. You know, e- even if right. you're fully on board, it's just, you know, two weeks from now, you have to be in the same mindset to do it and you have to have no distractions and the like. And so, you know, sort of using automated systems to sort of do the uh, beneficial action by default is is a huge tool in your uh, toolkit. Yeah, I agree. And I know you, you talk about M1 as you call it a, a super app. Is it... Uh, coin that term just because you're bringing so many different aspects of money together all in one? Yeah. You know, we we look at the landscape and think that there's a lot of great point solutions out there. You know, there's right. a checking account for receiving and sending money. There's a credit card for spending it. There's an investment account. There's your 401k. And really what we're trying to do is aggregate all of that and say, say you have one place to manage your money. So let's look at your entire financial life. Let's manage your finances as a whole. 
And we think that there's really three things that you need to do with your money. You need to invest it. You might need to borrow it and you need to spend it. And so we have a product that attacks each one of those three sort of verticals. So M1 Invest is free automated investing in a custom portfolio. You come to the platform, design a portfolio of the stocks and ETFs you want. If you're unsure, we have a ton of portfolios pre-populated and curated uh, for you. And once it's set up, you just add money to it and all the money automatically goes to work for free. We have M1 Borrow, which lets you borrow at rates as low as 2%. Um, you can borrow up to a third of your portfolio's value. So really low interest rate loans, really flexible usage. You can either leverage your portfolio or use it off platform. So you know, really flexible use, really low interest rate loans. And then M1 Spend is a high yield checking account. 1% uh, interest on checking gives you 1% cash back on an M1 debit card. And it really moves into this notion where you can replace your checking account. Excess money just goes into the investments you want in exact proportion to what you want. And if you ever need to borrow money, you can tap into a line of credit at the lowest interest rate on the market. Um, so it yeah, moves into this comprehensive platform where you, you can do all of your money management needs in one application. And I think what's so exciting about what you just talked about is what I'm seeing happening out there with technology and money and really disrupting how even five years ago, we dealt with money. And even five years ago, we couldn't really get around big banks, or there weren't a lot of options. And now there's just a lot of really interesting ways to bundle things up like you're doing at M1. I'm just kind of curious, because you're in this environment all day long. Where do you see like tech going with money? Do you I mean, are, are is it going to sort of uh, weed out some of the players or do you think it's just going to get more and more advanced and, and that's really going to lead the way? When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. 
Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show. Notion.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. It's Tuesday and we have an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Moana. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
Moana says, hi, Shauna. I live in Hong Kong and I'm a recent graduate. I love listening to your podcasts. They have been super helpful and allowing me to build a foundation to be more financially independent. Lately, I've been thinking about starting a side hustle. I love to write and I've been researching about building profitable blogs and newsletters in addition to exploring other options. One very obvious thing that I've noticed is that nothing happens without putting some money into it. So true. So my question is, how should one finance a side hustle? Is there a safe place you can take the money out of? For example, cutting down on everyday expenses, taking out a loan, taking money out of a fund or deposit. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Well, Mana, this is a great question. (laughs) And hi to you over in Hong Kong. I would say the first place you want to start is just figuring out how much money you think you're going to need. So really narrowing down your side hustle idea. And it's hard to figure out the exact amount of money, but you can get in the ballpark. I would say starting a blog doesn't require a ton of capital, but you do need to purchase your domain, get your website up and running, all of that sort of stuff. So you're probably looking at maybe a couple thousand dollars, maybe two to five would be my guess. But I would start researching other bloggers out there and see how much they spent for startup funds. Some people spent less than $100 and have an extremely profitable blog. So I wouldn't get stuck in needing to come up with a ton of cash because there are lots of ways to figure this out. I mean, I've started businesses with almost nothing (laughs) and grown them into very profitable businesses. So yes, you need money to start up. And yes, there are some months where you're not going to make as much, but Again, you don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars. The easiest way to fund your startup is with your savings or just cash in the bank. So you're absolutely right, like cutting down on everyday expenses. But more than that, just really knowing where your money is going is super important because when you know where your money is going, you can start to make those smart money moves and carve out savings here and there. So an extra 100 here, 20 here, 30 here, it's, it's all extra money. I would say if you're thinking about taking out a loan, of course, you got to know how much interest you're going to incur. So if you can like self-fund a portion, that's always advisable. I just don't want you to go in debt to start something if you don't have to. Another idea is always to ask maybe friends or family to help you out. I have counseled a lot of people to look into this. You could put together like a little mini business plan, laying out your vision for the side hustle and do some just small income projections. But usually family loans are either no or low interest with really flexible terms. So that's always a good idea. And if all else fails, you could always do a Kickstarter or some crowdfunding, especially if it's maybe, you know, $1,000 or less. What a great way to have your, your friends and supporters be a part of your new business venture. But Start with how much you need and then how much you have or how much you can carve out. What is that difference? And then be creative with it, but don't overspend. Again, it doesn't have to be award-winning out of the gate. You can build over time and reinvest your profits as you go. So more than anything, I wouldn't let the startup cost discourage you of starting something new because you just never know where it can take you. And I am proof positive of that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm huge believer in technology, and you know, software can automate more and more complex tasks. And so, it used to, you know, do very simple tasks like just adding numbers, and then you know, <laughs> got more and more complex as as time goes on. And you know, now it's fundamental and integral to 
every aspect of our life. And I think, you know, to, to put an analogy out there, if back in the day, if you wanted to plan a vacation, you would work with a, you know, yeah. vacation planner, you'd call right. them up, they would do the research on flights and hotels and activities and the like. And when you digitized everything, you made the access much greater that I would much rather search on my computer than talk to a person. It's, <laughs> it's much more convenient. I have the filters. I, I know what's particular to me. And it massively strips out the cost. You know, the right. uh, travel planner is, is very expensive. Using a website is incredibly cheap. And so I think that the same thing is going to happen in financial services, where if you think of, you know, every service you could get with a financial advisor, you're going to be able to digitize that and provide a much more custom personalized experience to the end consumer while massively reducing price. And so it's, it's that rare instance where it's a better product and lower price. And so I think, you know, moving forward, most people will be managing their own money on a self-serve platform in a very highly automated, personalized way. Interesting. Yeah, it's just it's it's like fascinating to be a spectator <laughs> to see as things get just more and more um, digitized, you know, uh, particularly I mean, I'm a certified financial planner, I'm no longer practicing, but watching a lot of my, you know, fellow planner friends that had practices like how that's evolving. And then even the notion of will financial planners like truly exist in a few years? Or will that be a digitized service as well. I think it's just a really interesting atmosphere to kind of step back and, and watch and see how this is all, um, you know, moving forward to ultimately, hopefully help the consumer. No, 100% agree. And it, you know, it's something that if you're have a very unique situation, you know, you're extremely wealthy, and you you're thinking about, you know, you have your own personal business with weird tax consequences and you're thinking about <laughs> estate planning and you know like leaving money for generations of people Th that's hard to automate it's it's difficult to sort of take the one-off scenarios and make a, a software solution that that does that when you think of broad appeal where you know people have the the same ones the same needs very consistent behaviors that's perfect for automation where, you know, M1 and a team of engineers can work on perfecting the solution once and then distribute it to hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions of people for little incremental costs. And so, you know, it, that's the power of software where you can perfect the system once and replicate broadly, where that's very difficult to do if it's, you know, hand to hand combat with a, you know, financial planner or, or right. investment advisor or the like, where, you know, every single interaction requires a, you know, sit down and a face-to-face -face conversation and you know, all the s scheduling conflicts that come with that. And then the hour <laughs> conversation and then the, you know, lunch the and bill. coffee after, you know, so it, it, it's just for, for like the thing that M1's doing is, you know, trying to say, Hey, can we create the best premier personal finance platform and then distribute it to as many people as possible and, you know, have the benefit of, of scale drive down the cost. And you made an interesting point. You just said that, uh, a lot of us have the same similar wants and needs when it comes to money. And that's something I try to talk about a lot on the show and try and, I guess, break down the, the barriers or demystify that the, because we don't talk about money, we don't often realize that most of us are pretty much in the same position or have sort of made the same 
money mistakes, if you will, or, you know, have the same desires. I'm just curious from your perspective, like running a company, I mean, that's really true, right? A lot of us are sort of, we might have different numbers we're playing with, but the the wants and needs are are fairly similar in a way that it, it could be automated. Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely. And it is, you know, I was w- walking through it earlier that, you know, most people make money. And so they have, they have a job, they, you know, go to work every day, they get a paycheck. And that paycheck is what covers both the necessities of life and all their extras. And so, you know, whether it, that's $20,000 a year, 50,000, 300,000, you know, 2 million, it, it's, that is the the money that you have on a coming into you on a consistent basis. And then you have your money going out and, you know, it starts with your base fundamentals, your, your food, your housing, your clothing, you know, all the, the low end of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, and, you know, if you have excess, you can start spending it on fun stuff and, uh, you know, avocado toast and <laughs> coffees and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, but you're, you are, you do have to think about not just today, but five years from now, 10 years ago, um, you know, really think of, of the long term. And when you go to invest, there are, you know, every single person can have a unique portfolio or what they want to invest in, but it, it really comes down to risk tolerance, time horizon, and, you know, sort of like personalized wants, you know, if they, if they don't want to invest in a casino or a, you know, a tobacco company or something like that, they can strip that out. But yeah, the, the, the fundamentals are all very similar of you have money coming in, you have money going out, you need to do something with the money while it's with you. Um, and a, a, a platform like M1 can really help you automate that and, you know, do your custom plan, but then automate it to your heart's content. And uh, risk tolerance, that's a question that I've gotten asked a lot, uh, particularly this year, because people are, are definitely thinking about investing, which I love. But uh, talk a little bit about risk tolerance for those that, that just aren't familiar. Like, how do you figure out what your risk tolerance is? Is there a right choice, a wrong choice? Like, how do you go through that process? Yeah, so um, risk tolerance, especially in the investing landscape, has, you know, it, it's sort of a risk return calculation. And, and how much risk are you willing to take to get a higher return? And so the Easiest thing to do is take no risk and get no return. And that would be your checking account. <laughs> um, so you can always have that as a, a default option. And then, you know, there's a progression. So you can go to government bonds as a little bit riskier, little bit more return. And then you can go to high grade corporate bonds as a little bit riskier, a little bit more return. And then you can, you know, progress all the way up to um, very risky investments, which might be, you know, early stage startups, penny stocks or the like, which you know, have an incredible amount of risk. You could lose a hundred percent of your money quite easily, but then, you know, the returns can also be very large. And so, you know, th- that is the decision of, you know, how much risk are you willing to take to get a return? And I think there's two components of that. One is, um, your like behavior that, you know, are, are you a <laughs> risk loving person? Are you a cautious person? And a lot of it is behavioral of what will you do if you're, investments go down in a short amount of time that, you know, if you're investing in a very risky security over long periods of time, it may pan out, but over the short term, you may have big drawdowns where you see a number and your, your net worth drops by 30%. And, you know, are you willing to stomach and react with equanimity about the sort of like visceral gut punch of losing (laughs) money? 
Um, so, you know, there's like, how will you react in the, the downturn? And then a lot of it is driven by what kind of return do you actually need? Um, that, you know, someone who's young in their life, not making a lot of money and thinking really long term for their retirement can, can afford to take a lot of risk. And so they can weight their portfolios very stock heavy versus bond heavy. And, you know, if, if like long term, it's actually less risky to, to do something like that. Whereas as you near retirement, you might say, no, I need this money in, you know, over the next five, 10 years. And, you know, I have more than enough to cover my expenses. And, and the catastrophic event would be I have to downgrade my uh, standard of living. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to maximize my return. I'm trying to fund my lifestyle. And so, you know, I think it's, it, it's a behavioral question. It's a, you know, what's true to you and your personality? How would you react? And then it's also a, a stage of life question of, you know, what, what kind of return do you need to achieve the financial life that you want? I love that because it, like what you're saying is, you know, it can change over time. And I think sometimes people think they pick one risk tolerance and then that's where they have to stay. And if they have that that visceral gut punch and they're not happy with it, that they can't make an alternate decision. And I think it's great to talk about that you can. You can you can change things up and people do. And that's that's the normal way of, of investing. Yep, absolutely. The the one sort of, you know, addition to that though is it's really easy to be, you know, say that you're uh, like risk loving and, and super tolerant and you wouldn't react when things are all going well. And then when they go south, you say, OK, now I'm more conservative. And you, <laughs> right. you, you do have to do a like ex ante assessment of you have to make the decision prior to the thing happening. And and no matter how much you think of this, like, you know, hey, what would I do if I lose 30 percent, 40 percent of my money? It's it's very hard to imagine that versus it actually happening, and so right. you know, they, and, and so you know, I do. Um, I, I think there are a lot of like, I, I think you know, people need to, um, you like go through the assessment and sort of you know ask themselves how would I react, and then even you know look historically of three years ago, five years ago when I had a you know uh, like if I did have a drawdown in my investments and I was nervous and I was scared, like how did I actually react and have that inform what you, you know, sort of currently assess as your actual risk tolerance versus, you know, just thinking what it may be in the future. Yeah. That's really good advice. Really good advice. So I'm curious, have you, have you always been interested in money and investing or what's sort of your journey to, to M1? Yeah. So I was a, um, kid that my parents introduced me to finance and investing at a pretty young age called, you know, 10, 11 years old. They showed me a brokerage account and said, you know, Hey, this is how you can buy stocks. Here's what a stock is. And, you know, gave me a lot of the fundamentals. And I was immediately captivated and hooked that it, <laughs> it, you know, wrapped together a lot of interest that you had, you know, a company operating in a super complex world. You were trying to say, you know, make a qualitative assessment of how they do in the future, a quantitative assessment of, you know, what's it worth? What could it be worth someday? And then you were making a high conviction bet behind it. And if you were right, you made money, you're wrong, you lose money. So as a kid, it was, you know, this hairy intellectual fuzzy problem with stakes <laughs> attached. And so I, I loved it and was, you know, a finance geek and nerd from a, a young age um, into college and a, a little bit beyond. And so you know that that that's how I came to M1, and and really M1 is the the account that I wanted that didn't exist in the marketplace. Yeah. And for me, it was really you know, hey, I'm making these investing decisions 
infrequently. I have to manage my money somewhat frequently because I have you know paychecks coming in and bills coming out. How can I set up a system that just does the administrative work and does it you know, intuitively, personalized, low cost, and, and the like, sort of every attribute that I'd, I'd want to manage my own money? I love that. So it came out of came out of a need that you had, even though you already had this love and in investing. I think that's those are always like the really cool stories, and those are. You know, it feels like all the worlds like came together and the tech was there. You already had this love of investing and that kind of all like married together in this in this really cool package. Thank you. Yeah, no, you know, it, it was even something that I looked at the marketplace and my parents showed me a brokerage account 10, 11 years old. And by the time I was 25, my brokerage account looked identical. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I sort of looked around the world and every piece of technology and software that I used had dramatically increased. You know, I looked at video right. games from, you know, 1995 versus 2015 <laughs> and like they're, they're night and day. They're not even yeah. in the, the same realm, but the notion of a, a brokerage account was identical. And I, I said, you know, that, that doesn't feel right. It feels like, you know, we, we have more tools available to us that you can make it better, more personalized, lower costs, more automated. And, you know, that's really what we're, we're trying to do at M1. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, Brian, this has been this has been so great. I was wondering, could you leave us maybe just to wrap it up like a tip or two about how you think we can move forward with our money and and start building wealth? Like to sum it up, what are what are a couple of those steps we should be focusing on? You know, I'd, I'd go back to the short term versus long term. And I would sort of orient yourself towards the long term that, you know, again, with the analogy, if you eat one healthy meal, it's going to do nothing for your health. But if you eat healthy meals for the next two years, five years, 10 years, you're going to be in a much better place. Same thing with working out. You you do a really hard workout once it does nothing for you besides make you sore. <laughs> we you wish, do that, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Multiple times a week for years, and you're going to be extremely physically healthy. And so I think you need to think about your wealth in the same thing, you know, it's financial health, financial well-being, and it's it's less important on what you do on a uh, like one-off basis, and it's much more of you know how do you establish good habits over extremely long periods of time and stick to your plan. And so, you know, I think that framing helps things out. That you know, sort of a understanding that if you're in a problem, you're not going to solve it tomorrow. It's going to take some time to get it out, and if you want to. A massive fortune also not going to be done tomorrow. That's going to be a you know multi-decade journey to, to do that. And then when you sort of take that framework, you start thinking of, okay, what are the little things that I can do that really don't harm me that much? And you know, it's can I pay off credit card debt a little bit each month and and you know get out of that hole that you know uh, paying off credit card debt if you it's 25% interest. Every dollar you pay down is a guaranteed 25% return, which hedge funds would salivate at. And so, you know, th that, that is something that you should work to be doing as soon as possible. Um, then, you know, how can I spend a little less and stay within my budget? How can I invest a little more? And so, you know, I think it's all about the sort of sum of incremental small habits over long periods of time versus, you know, trying to do anything super fundamental and big changes in, you know, the next week or two. So I am raising a glass to your investing success. You've listened to a lot of episodes this month about investing. So find what works for you. Try out a few apps. See what works. Find something comfortable. Start investing. Invest more. Whatever. Just figure out a system, a plan, 
that works for you. Carve out some extra money because growing your money is so incredibly important. If you want to learn more about M1, head to m1finance.com. They also have an Android or Apple app, so you can find them in the store. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.